Teaching meditation can be a deeply rewarding experience. Help others improve their mental and emotional well-being, reduce stress, improve focus, increase self-awareness and self-regulation, all while deepening your own practice and understanding. Join acclaimed author, Buddhist teacher, and Emmy Award-winning musician David Nickturn on Tuesday, May 28th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for a free online discussion on teaching meditation in Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash be here now for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn on May 28th. I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ram Dass's Love Server Member Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ram Dass, Krishna Das, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more, the Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hi, this is Mind Rolling Podcast, and I'm Raghu Marcus. And I'm David Silver, along with Raghu. Hi, Dave. Hi. It's freezing, we're, we're, cold, we, we, horrible, Dave. But for me, it's quite beautiful, because I'm looking at the River Hudson, and there are these gigantic icebergs. Fortunately, I'm inside. But nature is truly resplendent in these very difficult times oh, of the, oh. the winter, the winter. Oh. I, lo- I love it, though. I love it. Okay, Mr. British. No, I'm a whole person. That's why I love it. I'm <laughs> not, I, you know, I don't just exist for summer climes and Hawaii and Southern California. Okay, okay. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm starting off on a sarcastic I'm note. From, not, a good, not a good thing. I'm from Montreal. This oh, is I'm, just bringing me back to my a misspent and frozen youth, so... I'm not so happy. Hey, listen. Yeah. 
so some people, some people, uh, there's some people who who have mentioned to us, you know, because uh, we're, we're getting lots of nice mail and uh, great interaction with people. Uh, and uh, in, in one instance, it was about, you know, the guests that we have on. God, they're all low-hanging kind of fruit. They're all people you know, friends and so on. You know, why don't you reach for something that's got a little bit more range to it, shall we say? Something like that, he said. Yeah, yeah. I remember that letter. Yeah. And he was just implying that we only have our friends on here. And some of the people we have on are, are our friends, not all of them. But they're not low-hanging fruit, Raga, by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> <Not>. are they? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're very distinguished people who've got a sense of humor also. Hard to find. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably what, what you just said is, is really the essence, you know. Um, yeah, when there's, when there's, you're comfortable and when there's familiarity and when there's, a, you know, pre-knowledge that, the, as you say, the person has a great sense of humor. That's all we're about. You gotta have a good sense of humor. It's you know walking around and suffering out here in this cold. <laughs> I have to. Back to um, the but cold. you know I want to address that uh, because uh, um, you know we are you know we'll, we'll be we're going to be redundant with some of this stuff. But you know I I don't think that that's bad. And you know even though I sound pretty defensive about it, uh, I as you all know also. Do another podcast, Ram Das Here and Now, and I just pick talks of his and so on, and and I uh, introduce them and tell a little bit of my own thing about it. And so, uh, in fact, I wanted to mention something about David. This leads me to say something about you. Uh-huh. David just finished Naropa Institute, which is uh, was started in 1974. And uh, by Trumpa Rinpoche, Chogyam Trumpa Rinpoche, they are having their 40th um, uh, convocation, you know, it's an anniversary, you know, a convocation, and they're going to celebrate the 40 years in the beginning. And they asked Ramdas to do something, just reflections. And David uh, and Ramdas did the, uh, Ramdas, uh, which David uh, ended up putting together, uh, did this wonderful, uh, it's like a 20-minute little film almost, Dave. It's a great little doc. Anyhow, because it tells a story, and that story from back then was really uh, some of the most incredible talks that he ever gave, Ram Dass. Anyhow, in the midst of it, so we talk about, talk about redundant, low-hanging fruit, okay, is our relationship with... With Ramda, especially mine. Uh, well, both of us, because that's all, you know, uh, I mean, you know, that's it's our life and what we do, you know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, let me, t- I'm going to read to you one thing that from that particular lecture, which leads me to say, this is why um, he's able to put shit in words that so many of us can relate with. It, you become the environment in which the optimum growth is available to all human beings you come in contact with. So you got to become that environment because you are no longer laying trips on anyone, not judging or discriminating individual differences. So this talk was, a lot was about individual differences and, um, and, you know, this is just such a, a, a place to aspire to be, right? 
become the environment in which the optimum growth is available to all human beings. So it, what, what a succinct way to just you know say that. So that's why, that's the low-hanging fruit. I just had to say that. We weren't even going to talk about this. No, I, but it's I, what I wanted to say about the low-hanging fruit thing, and I really respect the person who wrote to us sort of slightly complaining about the sort of caress of people we have on. Very early on in this venture, when uh, actually Raghu was thinking about it, uh, I asked him what, you know, what would be the sort of um, watchword for this? It wasn't going to be strictly spiritual. It wasn't going to be, you know, whatever. And he said, you said, Raghu, direct experience. In other words, we try and stick to stuff we've experienced or that we know people who have experienced or we trust. And that's what keeps it from being sort of theoretical or even bombastic, hopefully, and certainly not, you know, based upon dreams and fantasies, but based upon things that both of us have experienced quite a lot in our lives. So I was going to say that uh, that that sort of motto, which you came up with, Raghu, uh, makes it only possible for us to, in, on the whole, be with people that we have some connection with. Obviously, that isn't the case all the time, and it shouldn't be. No, and we, we, talk we, to, we talk to plenty of people all yeah, the time. Yeah, we... Yeah, well, uh, I, that, I think we didn't know Dennis McKenna, you know. Yeah. We didn't yeah, know Dennis. Instance, we, yeah. People like that who we talk to. But yeah. anyway. What is our motto, by the way? Well, you uh, know, uh, anecdotes and intuitions from direct experience, no lies, no uh, cliches. <laughs> you know, just like what what happened to us. I never very, heard this motto before. Did you just make this up? I never no, heard this. No, 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 no. The very It was very smart of you because very... Me? Yeah, you. You said... You said to me, because I said, how do we differentiate this from things that I wouldn't listen to? I think that was the question. <laughs> you know, lots of wonderful yogic and spiritual podcasts, but I probably would never listen to them. And you said, well, we're not going to cover anything that we don't, we didn't experience. We will investigate stuff, but we've got to have known this. You knew Maharaji and the incredible, uh, incredible world around that and since then. And I've known some other things. And, and you know, we try and stick to that. So the low-hanging fruit, to get back to that, of the people we have on the show, is there for a reason. So we are, we're kind of talking in a verifiable, personally verifiable way. Yeah, if Russell Brand wanted to do this or, or Bill Maher or something, we'd do it in a snap. But, you know, we're, we're using people that we know have got things to say that might actually, you know, kind of ameliorate one's life in a certain kind of way if one is listening, you know, to the podcast. Anyway, that's enough of that. Um, well, it sounds like a commercial, and so you might as well segue right into how can you support this wonderful thing that we seem to have come up with, well, mind rolling. Yeah, you can support it uh, in in a few ways. One is by buying everything through our at Amazon. Yeah, that's what the, we really got to encourage. Yeah, that that because we're being told that seems to be the primary way that uh, podcasters earn a living is through uh, the affiliate program with uh, Amazon and Audible, and they certainly, and through people support, direct support and merchandise. But, uh, so... Uh, the way to do it is, is to... Bookmark. Go to, bookmark. Yeah, book, bookmark. Go to the, web, the website and go to the Amazon portal and then bookmark that, and then you can immediately go to that instead of having to go through Amazon or whatever. Just go to that, and, and whatever you buy that you need... Um, do it through that, and it helps us. And we do; they do send us the money. I mean, they're very, you know, it, it's, it all works out uh, very honorably, but uh, it's sort of the same amount every month, and we could use with a bit of an up on that. And I know people have commented to me about, you know, all of this begging, but 
we've also been told that you have to do it or people, you know, naturally won't think, you know, they just think it's we're called cool. commercials, right? Yeah, I mean, right. Commercials. That's, that's the word. That's what it's called. Um, and uh, by the way, uh, Ramdas is since we're into advertising and, uh, you know, Ramdas's new book uh, is coming out, which is an old book, which is from the mid 70s, right around this period I was talking about. It's called Grist for the Mill. So it is a fantastic book that we uh, managed to get republished with Harper, a uh, big publisher, Harper One, and uh, we uh, are going to see that. Uh, it's going to come on February 12th, so go in there and buy that book with our mind-rolling thing. Wouldn't that be great, Dave? It, yeah, it's appropriate. And, and that's all the big thing we're going to do, at least for another half hour. So, um, <laughs> so, so Raga, you've got... Um, okay, yeah, I got something. I just saw something, and... Yeah. Um, I just thought it was worth talking about. I mean, I don't, it, it's around uh, the blame game. It's around blame. Um, and I don't think there's one soul on the planet that has not engaged in that game. Uh, and uh, it's very, very difficult, especially if you have any kind of relationship with anybody uh, that, uh, you know, from marriages to friendships or whatever. Uh, these things can uh, come up. So th this uh, article uh, quotes uh, the uh, Chinese mystic Huang Tzu more than 300 years ago. And he said, it's a parable. Imagine you are in a rowboat on a lake. It's beautiful, calm day. And you're enjoying the peacefulness of the moment. But then you notice there's another boat heading straight towards you. You shout, look out, and wave your arms. But the boat keeps coming. You try to steer out of the way, but it's too late. You keep shouting, but the boat keeps coming. It rams into you, knocking you into the water. You are cold, wet, and your beautiful day, your serenity, is ruined. What are you doing, you yell at the driver of the other boat. Why don't you watch where you're going? Then you look into the other boat. It's empty. Is I mean, if that isn't the perfect um, parable for what this this insidious thing that we do uh, to ourselves and and we do it to ourselves too, not just uh, you know it uh, it doesn't need to be directed at anybody else, um, and. Uh, I, how many, t I mean, I have to say, you know, that um, in all these years, it is such a transparent um, uh, thought, emotion, you know, blame. And all these years and all this spiritual work, um, I am, I find myself, uh, you know, thank God for a little bit of mindfulness uh, aware of it in sometimes the most the smallest insignificant situations like and blame usually lead you know it incorporates anger which i know you have something uh, about as well but um yeah i mean not just two hours ago something you know couldn't get technically something wasn't going right uh when i was trying to do something at the computer and I, I saw myself, because I had read this article, going, okay, what what is wrong with these people that they can't make this more transparent so that I'm not, you know, getting lost 
uh, not being able to do what I want to do. You know, I'm, I'm, my mind, it went out to the technicians at Apple, right? It's supposed to be everything, you know, it's way easier than a... Anyhow, I went off on it, right? Um, and completely got lost. And so when I read this parable, I thought, it truly points out the absolute emptiness, you know, that that is in all of this phenomena that we are reacting to and just looking for, uh, you know, a way out of responsibility, which is what she talks about a little bit later. Yeah, the, the article, by the way, is called Empty Graves and Empty Boats. It's by Rachel Newman, or Neumann, I'm not quite sure how to put it. It's in the Shambhala Sun, the March 2014 edition of that uh, great magazine. Um, yeah, anger and blame are, are very much part of this. And the thing that I've found in the last few years or whatever is that when I find myself sort of reflexively doing this, I don't like the sound of my voice anymore. I can tell immediately this is going nowhere and I've got to stop. Mm. Whereas, you know, years ago, I just let it, let it rock, you know. But, you know, particularly driving, you know. <laughs> I've, been with the, I've been with the most wonderful, particularly in Western Mass, won't mention, wonderfully spiritual human being who is just so peaceful all the time and loves everybody and wouldn't kill, would not kill a tick on the back of her dog. But driving suddenly, how could you fucking do that? I mean, you're an asshole. I fucking hate you. So, um, you know, it's sort of like, okay, that's an instance where we catch ourselves, and we've all been there. Not all. That's but, gone beyond catching anything. Yeah, right. But, I mean, it, it happens all the You're with people who are very civilized and lovely and spiritual and deep and compassionate and empathic. And then something will trigger something. So you have to wonder, well, they're not complete. They're not saints yet, but that's okay. The thing about what she says, though, Ruglin, this is that, you know, gratitude in her could turn to resentment so quickly yeah. that she could, she could just go down a line. I'm being very honest about it, um, Rachel. Uh, and it would lead her to blame after blame after blame, blame the government. Like, it's really easy to watch TV and go, I can't believe those creeps. I just can't believe them. They're, if, it, if they just would just relent on one little thing, da-da-da-da-da. And it's very easy to fall in that. And she says in the article, Raga, at one point, she says, but what do you do about really bad things? That's her quote. Like, for instance, the Holocaust. Uh, are we allowed to blame uh, the Sturmfuhrers, the Fuhrer himself, the Gestapo, the SS, the commandants of the guards at Auschwitz and Bergen-Belsen, Buchenwald? What do we do with that? What do we do with that particular, and let's use that as a symbol, the hugest imaginable symbol of something to actually feel you can blame those Germans and pull it all the way down to blaming, you know, Apple for not, you know, for doing something weird, which they do occasionally, and you, it makes you irritated that a Mac computer doesn't or does do something. How, do, how does she answer it, by the way, really? Um, well, she says that the anecdotes are, as you mentioned before, gratitude and co-responsibility, right? So you immediately stop looking outward. You, you at least are looking in two places at once, right? You're looking uh, inside, and you're seeing just, you know, how you're caught. And, uh, you know, the most transparent examples have got to be really the, the reactivity that we all have towards everything we see going on the inequality and social injustice going on in you know uh, in the world and um and how we immediately do knee jerk react go w okay who who do we blame for that 
you know, John Boehner, you know, we blame him because he's not letting, you know, and and the Republicans because they're not allowing uh, Obama to pass, uh, you know, an extension on uh, unemployment, right, which is killing millions of people. Okay, they stopped the unemployment um, payments to I don't know how many million people. One one point seven million. 1.7 million. So can you imagine suddenly 1.7 million people cannot, uh, you know, find a way to feed their families and keep a roof over? It's One, hard not to it's hard not to blame them, but you see where the spiral comes here. Those are those right-wingers blame the poor. That's what they're doing. They're, they're blaming the yeah, poor right. and, and the entitlements to the poor that is discombobulating the economy. And therefore, we shouldn't even restore the, the, the old food stamp situation or whatever, because they're blaming the poor for being mm. poor. And, you know, if someone wants to write to me about this, they can. But I've been around politics a long time. And, you know, really, I see all this blame going, going on all the time. They blame the poor, the poor blame the rich, whatever. It's just not working. So blame which is the theme that you uh, suggested, Raghu, for this podcast, um, is a very central part of the sort of dis-ease of our social systems and of our personal interactions. Mm -hmm. You know, as soon as you start blaming your partner, that's the road to, you know, not really embracing the love between you. It's sort of saying, you know, I can't love you when you do this, which is no good because love is unconditional. So at a very micro level, you know, um, we blame the people around us sometimes. But on the macro level, it's going on a huge political, ideological, you know, obnoxious process, which is saying, uh, you know, these loafers at the bottom, these welfare freaks, these people who have children just to get, you know, Medicaid or something, they're the, they're the ones that, and they're doing it, and it's, it's extremely annoying to those of us that know many, many, many people who are having real hard times, you know, with money and with paying the rent and everything, the mortgage, who are perfectly, absolutely not that. Mm. They're doing, so that's hard not to blame. Now, what do we yeah. do? What do I do with this? Do I not blame these right wingers in the Republican Party now and say it's OK? No, you fight the fight without hate. You look at a picture of Hanuman frequently smiling, but Hanuman is flying to to erase and eradicate uh, the demons in the Ramayana, but he's smiling and he's peaceful. So you fight without hate. You still got to mm. fight this or else everything, 85 people now own in, or are as wealthy as 3.5 billion people on the planet, half the population of the planet. Mm. So how is it, you know, what do we do with that? And I'm, I'm tossing it back to you because, you know, what do you think? Well, you know, here's another, perhaps another level. She says, uh, blaming is neither true nor not true. It doesn't take me even one tiny step closer to my or anyone else's happiness or freedom. So on one level, she's saying what you just said and what we're saying. It absolutely accomplishes, accomplishes nothing. R you know, uh, projecting this stuff, which is really a combination of, uh, you know, that includes, I think that the the arrow, the force of the arrow of blame is anger. So it includes a healthy dose of that. But at the same time, I think what's being said or what can be suggested is that uh, blame is neither true or not true. So it's not not true that whoever is taking certain actions to, 
to create a result that they are committed to, then uh, should there be suffering as a result of that, then of course there is blame on that person, to go to that person. And I think it really, I think it is exactly what uh, you suggested, whereas you do what you do to to say, no, this can't go on. And I think uh, it turns then from blame to a, a justified kind of anger that's without hatred. Right. I right. think that, that you've got to operate multi-levels of consciousness around this. It's not just black and white. You know? Right, right. I mean, uh, anger... It's, it's, again, where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean, you know, just to get back to Ramdas for a moment, I remember 35 years ago having some kind of conversation with him about how, you know, he agreed with much of the anger of the political resistance and progressive left but he just got turned off when he saw uh, that resistance being expressed in extremely hateful terms. And that, uh, that, that it's still, you know, when I look at Facebook and my friend group is a pretty sweet group, really. They're not, you know, they're not exactly bomb throwers. But every so often, I mean, every day on Facebook, I see a really angry reaction to some political thing, usually, or environmental thing, or to do with animal, uh, you know, animal welfare. Mm. And they're always right. Talking about Fukushima, they're talking about torching elephants. What, it's, there's no argument about the righteousness of their, of the, uh, you know, of their, of their protest. But the, then they add words to it like, you know... Uh, I hope this person, you know, really has a car crash or something. And, you know, and it, it, it can't be like that. You know, as soon as you do that, uh, then the arrow that you're firing from your bow is tipped with fire right. instead, of, instead of anything right. healing. It doesn't have, you know, it's, it's going to hurt. And it doesn't have the effect that you would want it to have as well. Right, 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 right. I mean, so the blame game, just like the anger syndrome, it seems, even on just a purely pragmatic level, is no good because the only person who ever gets hurt is yourself. And I know this to be true because if you have a big fight with your wife or your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever, you know even while you're fighting, oh, I'm going to feel really awful after this. And that's as good a thing as anything to know. Uh, maybe for as long as hours and hours and hours, you just feel shattered and petrified that you've just yelled at someone who you actually love. Yeah. And, and that's proof to me that this is actually pragmatically an impractical way of distributing your uh, feelings. Yeah. You know, right? uh, so uh, the anecdote, one of them is gratitude and co-responsibility. Co-responsibility, we talked. Uh, gratitude uh, is tricky, uh, she said, because where there's any kind of obligation, right, in that gratitude, then it usually people get pissed and just get resentful of having to do whatever they, you know, agreed. So uh, she here's a great uh, quote, though, uh, from, it's a Pali teaching, uh, and it's from the Katanu Sutta, which I never read this before, okay? I don't uh, know uh, what I, the Katanu Sutta you, is, just like, you I know. I warned you, listeners, this one is, this one's heavy. If okay. Even if you were to carry your mother on one shoulder, and your father on another shoulder for a hundred years, and you were to look after them by anointing, massaging, bathing, and rubbing their limbs, and they were to defecate and urinate right there on your shoulders, you would not in that way pay 
or repay your parents. That's gratitude, folks. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yes. You know that image. I mean, I, mean, I think <laughs> just go all the way. You know, when they're trying to get something across to you, you know, these the ancient Eastern traditions here. I don't know when the Pali, uh, Katanu Sutta, the Pali teaching. Um, uh, so this no excuses, go ahead and be on my shoulder type of gratitude is so counterintuitive to my well-worn and boring rut of blaming that I've made a conscien- conscious decision to move toward it. Okay. This is, this is, I mean, is there anything else to aspire as far as gratitude? And then you think that, you know, if you really have true gratitude, it's a whole other uh, relationship with life at that point, you know, because, I mean, the blaming thing goes on all the time, all day. If you really just start to think of it, right, even just thinking out, just, uh, you know, banging on a corner, you walk around the door hitch, I don't know, nothing, right? And you go, why did they do that? I mean, whoever built this house, you know, the carpenter, what's he doing? What's he thinking? (laughs) It goes on day in and day out it's you know part of the i me mind so i i just loved it okay well you know i i have a crappy old toaster or whatever you call those things and pretty much one morning out of three it burns me and so the first word maybe i meditated maybe i didn't early in the morning i get up at six thirty seven o'clock and I go in there, and I wanted the day to just be, you know, cool and dharmic. And I go to the toaster, and I put the thing in, and it's cool. But when I take it out, my wrist always hits upon the edge of it somehow and burns me. And the wor- first words out of my mouth are usually something that I'm, I'm not even going to say because it's, it's offensive to women. But, you know, <laughs> that's, that's my designation of this particular machine. Now, what does that prove? Because, you know, it proves that there's anger in me because I really should be able to go, oh, dear, it just, I should, I should, get, a, I should get a new toaster, but I don't. Oh, geez. oh my. Oh, my, my. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to quote something um, yeah. that sort of ties in with this. And just bear with me. It's by His Holiness the Dalai Lama, and it's on January 29th, the book that is the sort of you know, daily diary, which is actually called The Path to Tranquility by the Dalai Lama. And today, which happens to be January 29th, I, re- I read it every morning. He says, it is said that if you want to know what you were doing in the past, look at your body now. If you want to know what will happen to you in the future, look at what your mind is doing now. Wow. Well, that's pretty far out. It's great, because he's saying your body is formed by what you've, your karma of, the, of your life, but your future is what you're building in mm. your mind. In your mind. Right. And in terms of blame, on a very small microscopic level, every time you build that blame in your mind, you are creating some kind of Newtonian karmic boomerang effect sometime, somewhere in mm. yourself, which will not be to your liking. And, and Dalai Lama, as usual, because he's such an amazing scholar and but such an amazing distiller of like basic truths. I can't believe that just in that short sentence, what your body is is what you've done to yourself so far, and your future is what you're thinking right now. So if you're thinking nasty, blameworthy things upon your wife or partner, and but you don't tell her or him, and then they come and you never mention it, it's not as bad as actually saying to her, you know, I'm really sick of the way you work in this house, you know. 
It's better than that, but it's still in your mind. As Jimmy Carter said, I still have lust in my heart. So, <laughs> Jimmy Carter. No, Jimmy Carter said that. And he was just no. being a, a true, you know, mystic Christian. But he, there's a thought. And that's the Dalai Lama says, the thought will create conditions for you and your consciousness uh, in the future. Not to be, and you shouldn't blame yourself for that. Just be mindful of it and try and sort of go, okay, I'm a blamer. I'm blaming John Boehner. Oh, it rhymes. I'm a blamer. I'm blaming John Boehner. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that signals the end of that. Yeah, uh, I do want to thank. Uh, I should. We should say a word. We never. I mean, we we uh, read the Shambhala Sun. Um, I have a subscription. I have two subscriptions. One to the Shambhala Sun, and one to Rolling Stone. Okay. And that's where, you know, we get all our shtick from. Is I mean, not Rolling Stone so much, but uh, Shambhala's Son just has marvelous articles uh, about stuff that, you know, I guess we're interested in in terms of, okay, will it help us get a little further along the way and anybody else, uh, you know, at the same time. So Shambhala's Son, we should, we should have an affiliate thing with them, though, right? I yeah, mean, we, should, we should. Well, we're such we're bril brilliant marketers, yeah. after all. <laughs> Okay. Do you want to call? You call them up and ask them. Um, I, I'll, I'll you, just you say just that did, you, you you have an in there now because uh, Naropa uh, and you know Shambhala's son. It's all part of Trungpa's. Well, uh, yeah, we should take over because this woman Rachel no Newman or Neumann, and I apologize because we don't know whether it's Neumann or Newman. I think it's probably Newman. Uh, does a lot. Does something in the article that Shambhala's son does all the time. Take something that's sometimes a deep Pali or Buddhist or whatever you know, thing, and puts it right down to today, now, what you're living, yeah. what happens to you when you get off the commuter train, etc. Yeah. And Shambhala Sun does that all the time. Very unpretentious wisdom. And, uh, you know... There you go. Think, That's a commercial. See, and we're not getting any benefit no, from nothing. this at all. This is oh, true. You, know what? you can get your subscription for Shambhala Sun on Amazon. So you go to can? the Amazon portal. Yes, you can. I did it this morning. You can oh, go to for Amazon. God's sake. And, yeah, I didn't Ch know Shambhala that. has a deal with Amazon, which has a deal with someone else, who'll send you uh, six issues for nineteen or twenty dollars, which is a year. Okay, then. Uh, okay, then. I really want to do a commercial. Folks, get out there and subscribe to Shambhala Sun, fantastic magazine. That's it. That was okay. number two. We have two commercials going now. This is the best we ever did. What We're you... masterful. Yeah. yeah. Okay, what uh, you have something up? Um, no, I, I, I actually what do you don't. Mean, no. Well, I did my know. thing. I talked about the Dalai Lama. I mean, you know, and we talked about. I, I did want to um, uh, mention uh, James Senegal, I think he's called. Uh, we put a thing on Facebook this morning and on Twitter about him. Uh, he's the CEO of Costco. Uh huh. And, no, no, I didn't uh, see this. Yeah, I just did it. Oh. And, and basically, I've been an admirer of him for a long time because Costco is a very successful, I, I don't have to tell you how successful Costco is, but he disagrees violently with all the things that are being said by other corporate heads. He's been paying a minimum wage of $17 an hour now for years. Uh, he gives all $17 benefits. $17 an hour is what you get at Costco? That's, that's what you get at Costco no. and all benefits. And he refuses what? to take more than $500,000 a year in salary, which compared with other equivalent corporations where they usually get between 30 and $40 million a year salary, 
He takes 500,000, won't take a penny more, talks to his uh, people all the time and gives them what they ask for in any reasonable way. And if you talk to Costco employees, you'll find that they really do feel invested in this company. Jesus. So I just wanted to you know, do a shout out to him, not that maybe he's listening to this, but to anyone who is interested, that you know, capitalism isn't inherently evil or anything. It's just that there has to be a balance. And this guy, uh, James Senegal, I'm going to actually look up uh, his name on Facebook right now because I did it. Um, you know, he's a grand guy, kind of. You know what I mean? Like he's someone who has done something um, really. What can you say? Where did I you mean, see that? Because I've never seen any. Uh, I, I, well, I've seen him. I've, I've seen I've seen articles about it. He's a big sponsor of Obama's, it so happens. And Obama frequently speaks of him as being an extremely good model. Uh, it's on Facebook under Mind Rolling, and other people have shared it. And it, it's it's his name is, um, I believe, James Senegal, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Yeah, and I, what I say in the, in, the, in the Facebook radio is not all capitalist and consumerist icons are callous. Let's love James Senegal because he's fought selfishness and we can get a gallon of Dijon mustard to boot. But he uh, refuses to come under any pressure to reduce salaries or benefits for all of his employees. This is incredibly opposite to Walmart which, as you know, pays everybody nothing with no with lousy. Okay, but what's the reality there? Uh, because if they're paying that kind of wage, minimum wage, do you think that their products would be more expensive? Uh, there are comments, uh, and I think there's serious, reasonable commentary by the right that he is incrementally uh, making things more expensive so as to pay for this. But he believes that the it's a creep. It's not a thing where, you know, suddenly something that costs $20 is $50. It's sort of like in three months mm -hmm. it'll cost twenty-two fifty, And that, in fact, the consumer is paying for it. But it's obviously but, a successful company, right? Oh, madly successful, madly successful. So and, something's right. Yeah, I mean... Model-wise. Yeah, and, it, it, you know, it's tempting to say that, you know, oh, well, he's only doing it because he's actually going to make more money. But I've seen him interviewed many times. And when you see him talk, you know he's not a bullshitter. Really? This guy, this guy is a sweetheart, and we're just very lucky that at least one place that a lot of people use uh, has got a vision behind it. Because he says, if you talk to my employees, you can talk to any of them anytime, anywhere. They'll tell you the same thing: they have loyalty to the company and they enjoy working here. Mm. Wow, that's yeah, really. amazing. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It's pretty amazing, you know. Um, anyway, um, so. What, what, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like lost. I, I don't have anything else except, I mean, I can talk about, you know, the Grammys. No, but, no, no. Uh, all right. But, uh, um, wait, wait. I do want you to talk about, uh, you just told me uh, you're going on the radio tonight. I do want to hear about that. Oh, I'm going on, um, what is the station? It's, um, it's called. Um, you mean we can get it here? Yeah, yeah, you can get it. It's, oh. uh, it's, 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 you just go to Styles, S T Y L Z F M 96. Styles F M 96. On what? On, on the internet, you mean? On the internet, yeah. And it comes out of Port Antonio in That's Jamaica. That's not radio, that's internet radio. Yeah, well, excuse, <laughs> excuse me, I'm not on NPR, you know, but anyway, uh, they're interviewing me tonight about my relationship with Bob Marley because it's a reggae station. And uh, I'm, let's see what happens. Anyway, Style FM 96. Why don't style. you put that out on the mind rolling uh, on Facebook and Twitter? Give oh, everyone really? a chance. Yeah, absolutely. No. 
yeah, right. that makes it easy to to just then you got the link and it's all right there. Okay. Come well, on. what what if I make a fool of myself? It's live. Well, you do this every week on Mind Rolling, so it's not going to be a problem. Uh, did you hear that music then? Suddenly, Styles FM kicked in. No. <laughs> if you heard a bit of music. I was... Anyway, what we're, we're going to talk about is, is the experiences I had with Bob Marley when, when I first met him, which were uh, incredible and also very uh, very frightening and terrifying, actually. Life-threatening. Because, you know, because we got you know, life-threatening, exactly. So that's what they want to talk to me about, because there's been a lot of controversy in Jamaica about what actually happened to Bob, and I'll just add my two cents. Okay, so that's all I have to say. And, that's uh, it? Yeah. Okay. And I think we've reached our limit of time, but you would be a better judge than me on that matter. It's, it sounds like I just want to get out of here. I don't want to... Yeah, like... Do you have an appointment or anything? No! I mean, no. Okay. I'm happy to just sit here with, the, with our listeners and, and vibe, you know. It's, 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 uh, it's okay. Um, if you're driving... Uh, you know, don't take us too seriously. Oh, wait, don't, I did want to say something okay, though, before. Okay, okay yeah, we are I'm these... waiting for you to say something. <laughs> okay, well, it's just that um, it has to do, it, it's a little bit of a, fo a follow-up to our, our last podcast. Sorry. Sorry. Um, about loneliness. Loneliness is such a drag, right? Right. I like that. Um, and I love that Hendrix song we played. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I want to read something. At okay. one point in the podcast, you actually uh, brought up that what we're talking about, uh, there's two levels here. One is loneliness, and the other is aloneness. And, uh, and you were talking about the um, efficacies of alone. And that had nothing to do with loneliness. And I think, and then I came back and said, well, you know, you know, I came back to a, uh, shall we say, more interpersonal level of it, tr having people that you can trust and so on to build, you know, this kind of a relationship in the world. Um, so again, because we, you know, this is a lecture, a talk that Ramdas gave at Naropa that we talked about earlier in the podcast. And, um, this is something else from it. I was so struck. I was almost going to pull it and, you know, just cut it and we could, you know, put it in the, uh, I mean, just play it in this podcast, but didn't have time and okay. uh, I'm going to read it. Okay. You will find in the spiritual journey that you'll come into intense experiences of aloneness. But if you examine them carefully, they are very different from loneliness. Mm -hmm. It ends up that we are all alone. We are all alone. And then begin, uh, that begins very early in the game to be the flickering recognition of that aloneness. aloneness. We are not alone my friend, not because there are so many others, but because there are none. <laughs> it's another kind of aloneness, aloneness, not loneliness. That, mm. 
that's a, a uh, actually it's pretty poetic. Uh, you know, I was almost going, what did he quote this or something from somebody? I mean, it was really, uh, you know. No, no. I've, the the just, flickering recognition. Yeah, I never heard that. That of that all aloneness, the flickering recognition, we are not alone, not because there are so many others, but because there are none. I love that. Yeah, it's great. It's another kind of aloneness, not loneliness. Anyhow, that's a, that's a, that, oh, that's a deep thought from Mind Rolling Podcast to you. And um, I was going to end with another commercial, but uh, you're frowning maybe even. No, 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 no. no, no. Go, go ahead, please. Because it's Audible. Uh, on audible.com, I'm going to end because we're, you know, Ram Dass has been a, a big part of this podcast, or at least some quotes from him. Uh, I found incredible uh, stuff from Ramdas on Audible as I was perusing Audible myself the other day. Audible.com. You can look it up. It's uh, the, his Here We All Are is one of them. It's his transformation story. Amazing. It's the, it's the talk that I heard the first time I heard Ramdas that completely changed me up. So that's on Audible. And when you go and do a trial thing with audible.com, which you go to mindrollingpodcast.com to find that portal. And then you link and you get a free trial. We get a, a few dollars for each, I don't know, $10, $15, Dave, something like that. Yeah. For each a subscription, which you can, you know, get some books, and but you don't have to keep it going. You can just try it. It's a free trial. So audible.com. And that makes three commercials in one podcast, which is a record for us, Dave. Yeah, we, we we stand some kind of chance now. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, but we, uh, you know, please, everybody, uh, whatever you can do to support us, we sure do appreciate it. We appreciate the, the mail, um, and um, I appreciate you, Dave, for really uh, um, keeping the site going and uh, keeping the interest going and all of the social media. Join uh, Facebook, and Dave sends out... We're going to do a book. we got to do a book of these incredible posts that Dave puts up. They're quotes and pictures that are just fantastic. So uh, I want to do that. We have all these ideas. And um, so help us help support what we're doing, folks. And, yeah, we want to we'll do a bunch more cool things uh, in the future. So and, and I just want to have one thing. Which, oh, um <laughs> The gentleman who wrote about the low-hanging fruit that we obsessed about, uh, we love you, and, and you wrote some really great things in that letter, too, and was very complimentary, and, uh, but, but, you know, very appropriately analytical, and we thank you for that. So please Oh, don't. you just gave us some great stuff to start talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah you did. You, so thanks a lot. You were part of it. That's yeah. Cool. All right, this is Mind Rolling Podcast, and uh, we're going to see you in another week, and... Uh, all good things and warm things is what we're going to try and think of, Dave. And we'll speak right. to you again. Stay safe. <laughs>